Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing and what a big weekend of racing we had this past week. Joining me in the studio, Louise Torres, Richard Uden. Fellas, how are we doing? Good, thank you. We're good. Actually, been pretty stable when it comes to waking up, so it's been pretty good. That's stable when it comes <laughs> to waking up, yeah. Because any day you get out of the bed is a good day, right? So, uh, Speaking of getting out of bed, you uh, spent your weekend in Portland where the IndyCar series uh, began their West Coast swing, the first of three races to decide the championship. And um, uh, Alex Palou was the big winner, started from the front, went to the back and came back to the front. That's uh, a good move, right? It's a play out of his teammate, Scott Dixon's book from mid Ohio a couple of years ago, but uh great points day for Palou, who was uh, after the last couple of weeks, he'd been saddled with these engine penalties and, and, and other issues. Uh, so it puts him solidly back on top of the point setting, which is two races remaining. So Louise, your report from the ground to Portland, please. Yeah. For sure. Alex below started on pole for the race and the PNC bank. No, we're not talking about Scott Dix. We're talking about Alex below because, both drivers decided to drive the same exact livery, just different side po- side sponsorships. Polo is the pure PNC bank, and Dixon had a different side of the PNC bank logo. So it's not as very easy to tell who it is in what car, but at the end, it was a wild start. As usual, lap one, turn one, we saw chaos. And unlike the other two where we saw a car flip one year and then a couple of cars destroyed and never came back, there was only a few cars that had problems, which were Elio Castroneves, who it looked like at one point was going to be dead last, but it ultimately became James Hinchcliffe. Roman Grosjean got into it, and that's all because the front guys, Dixon, Hello, even Alexander Rossi, along with Felix Rosequist, missed the corner. They went, or even went wide, that a lot of cars went by, and then further back to just haggled, which was tough for Elio, and Hinch because Elio's trying to build that Meyer Stank car into a contender for next year, uh, especially on the road to street course programs. And, uh, and on top of that, Hinchcliffe just cannot find any luck aside from Asheville. So he was basically the only guy out of this whole deal out of race, but it was super minor to the point that it wasn't like what we saw. 
then we had a long caution of trying to figure out how the lineup is going to be. At one point, it looked like Rosenquist was going to be in second when, or second or third, but he completely missed the corner, so that would have been – he should have been in the back. Even one yeah, photographer. Really, yeah, the rule, the rule is really interesting there, and, and it confused a lot of folks, including I think the IndyCar officials who were trying to resort the field, but they said priority goes to guys that actually made the corner followed by guys that sort of made the corner followed by guys that just straight up took the escape route. Yeah. But you know, it's so more proactive than the Arca West race that took about 15 minutes to decide whether or not the guy who crossed the line finished first one or not because of the corner cutting. Yeah. You know, I, I've always kind of wondered every time I watch Portland, we seem to have this first lap melee, right? And it's just the way that, that, track is set up you've got a, a really good run you're coming off a line and then you've got that tight you know festival curve there um i just it always is blowing. why don't they just skip that on lap one and start using that turn on lap two when the field is not quite so bunched up and i'm not the only one to suggest this or or at least or have the uh, have the start on the backstretch I don't know. It just, it just seems like kind of like have a yeah. mid Ohio starts at the back end and then get them up to speed. So they don't have to bunch up everywhere. But also we've seen the past couple of races recently as well, that isn't, it doesn't, it with the first quarter has been a problem as well for mid Ohio. So I think it's kind of one of those things where you have to figure out what, what works best to, for everyone. But I, and that's that unique challenge. But IndyCar's not the only ones that have issues. Every discipline says they can't. Essentially, they had problems. I don't recall. I haven't looked back much enough to see if there were even problems back in the day. It's just kind of become a thing since they fully returned in 20, 2018. But going back to after the whole mess of a lineup order, we saw Pato Award and Graham Rahal and Ed Jones be in the towards the front. Scott McLaughlin probably had one of his better races of of, of, of late uh, this past Sunday. He, all of them had good showings, but it looked like Pato was probably going to be the benefactor and maybe run away with this championship to where Laguna, another good run, he would lock it up. That wasn't the case because we had a couple of yellows fall at certain points of the race that kind of hurt a lot of drivers. We also have some different strategies that kind of helped and I think Polo said it up right in the post-race conference that that long caution for that turn one incident helped them more than than it detrimented them because that gave him a different strategy that put him up front. Uh, same with Dixon and Rossi. Whereas yeah, Ray I, Hall, I, 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 I back. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all those guys pitted. They went ahead and pitted on lap nine when they were still sorting the field since they were starting at the back anyway. You know, go ahead, top off the fuel and get a new set of tires, which gave them the ability to kind of not have to save fuel and be able to run a full song, um, you know, with the uh, additional nine laps at, at, the, at the start of the race. See, yeah, it, wor- it worked out for those guys. Yeah, it worked, the- worked with these. As you saw, the first three guys at the start of the race ended up being the first three finished. One, two, three, start. One, two, three, finish in the same exact order. I still don't know when was the last time we've seen that at an IndyCar race where the top three started and finished exactly where they were. Been a good while. Uh, particularly since they were uh, nowhere near the, the starting positions through the midpoint of the race. So, 
No, but I, but I want to say you got to. Speaking of the race, you got to take your hat off to Graham Rahal. Um, here's a guy that desperately needs a win. I, I think it's been what 2017 since he's won a race. Been a good and, minute, and he uh, he got caught out by one of the later yellows, which uh, kind of wrecked his strategy. And and a little of that falls on the team because uh, a lot of folks there close to him in the on a strategy had pitted earlier and then the yellow came out before, you know so he got kind of hung out to dry there but uh, you know Ray Hall for his part he was uh, he was laying down some really good laps and and barely putting a wheel wrong yeah and, he had his um, best race all year right yeah that- yeah he looked really good it's unfortunate he doesn't have the result to to show for it yeah it, it is unfortunate it is unfortunate on his end but compared to sometimes when how luck can be real ugly for Ray Hall at least he got a good outing out of it for sure. The same goes for Rossi, who got his first podium all season long. He he pretty much had a perfect weekend, and for him, as far as getting the program back where they need to be, because that team has not had luck and struggled, and now the mindset is: this is a good. He's got a good set of races coming up with Long Be- Laguna Seca and Long Beach tracks that he's been good at one and one in particular in a couple of weeks time that uh still optimistic they'll go we'll see by tomorrow once i finalize all that stuff out don't count rossi out i think rossi's just there to go get some wins and stop this title the t- ones who are still in the title chase from winning make it a difficult for them but it's an overall good run for rossi but for polo this is a statement win because of those cautions he actually regains the championship lead back from Pato Award, who, speaking of Pato, he finished eighth after being the class, a front runner earlier on. Now the gap is 20, I think it was a 23, 25 points to where now it's these two guys, along with Dixon, Newgarden, and Erickson, left for the championship. Yeah, I, th- I think actually uh, Newgarden leaped ahead of Dixon. I think Dixon's yeah. not down to fourth in the standings. Yeah, this, yeah. Dixon is er- Erickson a long is still- shot. Still alive by a thread. I mean, I mean, literally speaking, I think there's about ten guys mathematically alive, but uh, you know, mathematically and real world are two different things. So, uh, realistically, you got to look at those top four guys. Yeah, right now, Erickson is the complete launcher. He's the bottom. He's the last guy in this title fight out of the five. That'll probably be reduced to two by next Sunday, depending how it goes, but. I said Polo didn't put a wheel wrong. He over aside from the opening lap, but from, from that point on, he just honed his craft and had it at a track that he's never raced. And it did help the Ganassi tested compared to Andretti Autosport that didn't test, which I think Rossi saw it as a as a disadvantage. But the fact that he and Cole Herta were made it to the fast six that he noted speaks wonders that okay, Andretti are slowly getting it together. But I know it's too little, too late for the championship, but it's a good building ground for 2022 and especially yeah. whoever's going to take over Hunter race seat next season, which I think from all intents and purposes, it more likely might be Grosjean. Yeah, that's the um, pretty much that's the conventional wisdom that Grosjean has taken over that 28 seat. And um, yeah. And, uh, and, and Dreddy, uh for their part, put out a couple of nice tributes to, uh, to Hunter Ray on social media. I mean, that guy's been part of that team for a decade. Uh, you know, he just started out as a part-time deal. And I know he was uh, struggling at the time. He was 
uh, in a legal battle with uh, Paul Gentilosi. Yeah, um, and also over, over 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 not getting paid and and just looking for a place to race. And Andretti hired him for a couple of races here and there, liked him enough that he kept him on. And he's been there ever since. He's won a championship, won an Indy 500, won a number of races. Uh, you know that uh, that number 28, you know, yellow and red DHL car has been synonymous with uh, Ryan Hunter Ray for you know for a decade. Yeah, and we talked about months ago or over a year ago. IndyCar iconic liveries in modern day. DHL is right up there. I know some people say PNC Bank may be close enough to the modern day, but there's no question the DHL 28 is the synonymous paint scheme of the past decade. And Hunter Ray, should he find a ride in 2022, if I recall, this will be his 20th season in IndyCar. He's been doing it for a real long time, too. People tend to forget that he started off in, I think it was 03 in Champ Car with the American Spirit team, won it. Won a race with them. Yes, he sure did. Yep, I remember it well. He's very, very young, won a race. Yeah, he, he, the first half of his IndyCar career is kind of journeyman-esque. He, started, he was a champ card, and he went to take over Jeff Simmons. Yeah, well, the Paul Dana, then Jeff Simmons, 17 ethanol car for a bit. And then kind of like uh, you mentioned, after a while, it seems like his career was in question. But then when he joined Andretti, it seems like things clicked. And in the beginning... He was right out, right out of gate, but the last couple of years has been a real up and down. But people forget he was a title contender in 2018, a long shot at that, but he was still in the mix to the final race of the year not that long ago. But, of course, all things do come to an end, and we be curious to see where DHL ends up, if they want to stick around, and so on and so forth. That's yeah, that's of- yeah, that's that's the, the that's the thing that's sort of been unsaid is what is DHL's position, right? I've heard from some sources that DHL is out, which is part of the reason why Ryan Hunter Ray is out, and I've heard from other sources that DHL is in because they their parent company is actually an international company, and and they're kind of uh, pretty pleased to be aligned with uh, Grosjean. But all and all this also, is they're all, involved all, in Formula yeah. One with the one yeah. of those programs they do. Exactly. But all this is idle speculation because there's been no solid news coming out of uh, DHL or Andretti on the future of that sponsorship deal. But uh, it'd be it'd, it'd be interesting to see. I hate to I hate to see them leave the sport because, like you said, it's one of those iconic liveries that has been there for. It, it was like it was like when the Target cars disappeared. It was it was a sad day, you know. Yeah, for sure. But I still remember that even it certainly was like you had so many drivers you can associate with Target, Sonardi, Montoya, Vassar, Dixon, Frankiti, well, the, so many guys. And of course, you have your obscure ones like Nicholas Manasanin, <laughs> Bruno Shapira, Darren Manning, Eddie Cheever, Ari Leyendijk, yep. Michael Andretti. Yep. No, not Paul Tracy. I was thinking Budweiser, Newman Haas. Oh, yeah. One cup of coffee. But, yeah, you have so many drivers, but we'll see how that goes. There's still time will tell when Myers Shank will announce their second driver. My best guess, maybe Long Beach, because that's AutoNation, Acura, Honda all coincided with one another, and maybe that would be the time, but probably not. We'll see how when that will come and, up. And, of course, all the smart money is on. Simon Pagano taking that seat as Penske Racing scales back to a three-car effort is uh, is what I'm hearing. 
Yeah, there's so much news going on, but it seems like for the boat, we still don't know about Ray Hall Letterman or even Ed Carpenter's lineup yet. I think it's going to be a very interesting offseason, but it's not as out of the world crazy compared to the other motorsport discipline out there. And I'm not talking about Formula One because Formula One is almost essentially set, except there's like one, one true ride left up for grabs, and that being Alfa Romeo. But before we go talk about Formula One, we got Laguna Seca next. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make the trip because that's just how life works. But I would not be surprised if Andretti shows up in strong form. And I and I still feel like that championship will go down to the finale. Even no matter how, I just, that's how IndyCar is. It'll be, I, I can see Palo having a great run, but I think Pato will do everything to kind of rival to keep this championship going into next Sunday. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think this, yeah, this championship is going to go down to the last race. I don't think as closely matched as these guys are that, that, you know, one guy is going to have a banner day and three guys finish at the back of the field. You know what I mean? That's the only way it's going to get locked up uh, this weekend. And I don't see that happening. Uh, but, but to your point, I do see, uh, Perhaps Andretti having a strong day. I mean, Herta and uh, Rossi both look good at Portland. Um, Rossi, they look good at Portland, Laguna. like you said, they look good at Laguna last year. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see. So I do want to talk about uh, the newest IndyCar driver, and um, and I want to throw this over to Richard now that you've uh, you've rejoined us. So it's your your countryman, Calamilot. Uh, yeah, had his uh, IndyCar debut in the Yukos car or Yukos Hollinger car. Um, you know, his first time there, the uh, the team was able to test a little bit uh, with Kyle Kaiser, but uh, these are realistically Islet's first laps in an IndyCar, and he, uh, you know, he, the expectations are pretty low for a team that's yeah. not, not been on the grid since 2018. But but I feel like um, he had a pretty good run and learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's sort of smart enough. He's been part of the Ferrari Driver Academy for for a while now. So he's, you know, got some good pedigree there. He's got a good background. He, he'll do the right things in the right order. And, he, you know, he, you go in there, as you say, with very limited expectations. And it, it's purely, I think, these three races in Portland, uh, Laguna and Long Beach are just purely basically test laps for them. You know, stay out of trouble, bring the car home, learn the art of IndyCar driving compared to Formula 2, you know, learn how the cars work, learn how the team work, learns, you know, it's just a learning exercise and just absorb as much as you can. And I don't think for one moment that that, that they'll be wrong. You know, I think they're going about it the right way and I think they'll achieve their targets. And it's pretty, pretty exciting to see them out there. Um, I think it's going to be a good, good experience for him. And uh, he did everything that was being asked of him, I think. Yeah. And, and again, here's a guy who's a victim of the, the fact that there, there's more Formula One drivers in development than there are seats of the top rung. Yep. You know, which, yeah, uh, so. which, which, you know, which he was, uh, you know, after having a great Formula Two season two years ago, he found himself locked out of a Formula One ride when, uh, uh, you know, Schumacher picked up a ride, as did uh, Mazepan. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Islet's on the outside looking in. So I'm glad that he's found somebody interested in him. Uh, that being yeah. Ricardo Yukos, who is uh, now Yukos for their part. He's a, a very astute businessman, very good racer. 
Um, his Indy Lights teams have, uh, you know, dominated for the, you know, the better part of the last, uh, you know, uh, decade. Um, yep. Is his first foray into IndyCar troubled with money, but now, now with the new uh, partner in Honda, they've uh, they've got their money problems sorted out, and they're ready to make a go at a full season next year, and and hopefully. Uh, you know, Callum Island was just slated just to run Portland initially, but they've gone ahead and, and signed him to run all three of these races, which are three races that, that are right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. The kind of places he's used to racing at, you know, a couple of, I think that's the important thing for him as well. Yeah. 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 We're not, we're not, we're not throwing him on a gateway we're not going to Texas or not, not going, yeah. not going to Texas. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a couple of natural training road courses. And then a tight street circuit, which you know, Formula He's done, Two yeah, runs out of Monaco. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I think that uh, uh, you know, a driver of his caliber coming out of that academy um, is is only going to benefit the team. You know, much in the same way that we spoke about uh, Grosjean really yeah. lift, lifting the level of the coin team, and uh, Christian Lundgaard coming into Ray Hall, which is a, a pretty darn good team to begin with. And just oh, yeah. kind of excelling right off the bat, so I think uh, it's a bit of a match made in heaven. I I hope they can keep Matthew because I'd love to see Calamilot keep racing. Yeah, you know, no, and, not, and, and not, you know, not be relegated to sports cars where no one's going to see him. Exactly, you know, the guy is obviously talented to push. You know, Mick Schumacher the way they did in the Formula Two Championship last year, and to to achieve some of the things he's achieved, to be part of that Ferrari Driver Academy is certainly. Um, you know, no mean feat. He's done incredibly well to to, to to get to where he is. And as you say, he deserves to keep on racing. He, he deserves to be somebody that we have, you know, can, can enjoy and watch racing at the highest level against some of the best drivers in the world and really prove himself. And, you know, after what... I, I think Grosjean's really sort of set a bit of a mark here in that... And this is no disrespect to guys who've come before him, you know, in the same breath as Takuma Sato and and Rubens Barrichello to a certain extent, you know, to them at times, you often felt like IndyCar was like a last option. But with Grosjean, in a way, he could have walked away after, especially after the accident he had in Bahrain, but he wanted to keep going. He wanted to be involved in IndyCar because he wanted to race. And it was for the passion of it. And you look at, um, you know, Alex Albon even said that if he hadn't got the Williams drive, he was seriously looking at IndyCar. And, and they see this as a serious career path rather than a, you know, ex- you know <laughs> an extended way to fill out their 401k. You know, these are, these are guys that are actually coming out here to compete and be competitive and to, to race and, uh, you know, re- really sort of put themselves out there. So I think there's, IndyCar is becoming a really viable alternative now. And it's never going to be Formula One. You're never going to have a, Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton come over to IndyCar, you know, it's just not going to happen. But it is an option for these guys who aren't making it, you know, not through lack of skill, you know, but lack of opportunity, right place, right time sort of scenario, which oh, exactly. there's I think only, I love. There's only 20 rides in Formula One, right? And there's far and, more drivers. And, 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 well, and only four of those are highly desirable, right? Another four yeah. are sort of desirable. And then the rest is, you know, yeah. field, field filler. You, you might get lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. So any car you can get to like a coin team, like yep. Grosjean did, and which is, you know, low, lower budget compared to the Penske's and Ganassi's of the world, but he's, he's up there contending. 
exactly. And yeah, so and that's you know, what, he's that's certainly what drivers bought. drivers want to contend for the win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you, you look at you, you look at some of the guys in form, you know, Hulkenberg, for example, you know, very long career, never got on the podium. And you've got to wonder, you know, would yeah, yeah, everybody wants to be in form one, don't get me wrong. But you look at the, you know, would would another year for Hulkenberg at Alfa Romeo, for example, or two years at Alfa or three years at Alfa, just sat around basically running in the, you know, hey, a good weekend scoring points. This guy's done his due. He's proved himself, you know. I personally would have loved to have seen Hulkenberg in IndyCar, but I just don't think that's going to happen because I, I think he would have been a fantastic... I think his attitude and his personality would be great for the sport. Well, he did run that one race. He ran did a he? race. Oh. Yeah, he filled in for... Um, Paris, um, we're talking about Hulkenberg, right? Yeah. Yeah, in IndyCar. Yeah, did, didn't he fill in for Felix Rosenquist in one race? No, that's that's no. Magnuson, Kevin Magnuson, oh, not okay. Rosenquist. I mean, oh, not yeah. Hulkenberg. Yeah, that was yeah. Magnuson. Yeah, it was Magnuson. But yeah, you look right, at okay. you look at all of those guys and you think, you know, they would be great. And But again, IndyCar's also got to be seen to be a proving ground for local talent. It can't just go and pick up guys that are, you know, X Formula One drivers because then it becomes like, you know, Master GP Master Series from the early 2000s. Or but, uh, some obscure know. drivers like I think we're gone. We're the thing is we're done with the days of Rodolfo Levant, R- the Rodolfo guy, or you got some obscure or just random one of like Alfonso Solis and all of that. Where I think we're if we're gonna see we're gonna see an interesting fl- influx of F two guys and or some of them that are reserve drivers in F one try to give it a go and see where they where they stand you out. Would- my only concern with that is you wonder where that would leave Indy Lights because they've always yeah, been struggling as it is, you know, for feet. I mean, some of them, I remember watching some of those Indy Lights races and there's less than 10 cars in the series. But they have um, probably the more, one of the strongest development series out there as far as the racing ladder is concerned because those that have made it to, to from Indy Lights to move up to any car all but one have been able to make it up there. I think there's one that many years ago that just never got that opportunity. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, if you get all these guys coming out of Formula 2 and into, in, you know, who don't get the, the, the Formula 1 rides, who, you know, end up, you know, migrating over to IndyCar, then where does that leave Indy Lights as a feed series? You know, it, I think it certainly does put it on the back burner a little bit. And obviously, there is a desire naturally, especially for some of the sponsors in the uh, IndyCar series to bring in, you know, US based drivers like, you know, Colton Herters and the uh, Joseph Newgardens of the world and, and, you know, guys like that. But uh, yeah, you do. Colton Herta and Joseph Newgarden are two guys that also raced in Europe for a while. Well, that's very true. Uh, yeah. yeah but, very, but, but, but true. then, but then they came back and they did, they did the Indy Light series. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, you do wonder where it leaves you, you know, it, it's sort of like, does, does Indy Lights eventually fade away and you end up just becoming sent, you know, shipping more guys from the US to, to Formula 3 and Formula 2? I, I don't, don't, don't see that happen. I think they'll be, they might be okay, but it's not something that would be that severely concerning for, for the time being. But we'll but see. If you're looking, but if you're looking as a sponsor to, to, to push a kid through a junior series and a ju- through a junior category with potentially the long-term aim being Indy Lights. Yeah, I'm sure Indy Lights is a lot cheaper than Formula 3 and Formula 2 in, in Europe and globally now for some of those races. 
but you just look at it and you think where where is your best opportunity and if you fund a kid yeah it's going to cost you more but you fund a kid going over to to Europe to race in some of those things. Heck, the kid may make it to Formula One and may get a test drive with the Formula One team. You know, you could probably, you could argue that, especially if you're a global company, you know, a, a young driver test for a, an American kid who's come through the Formula 3 and Formula 2 ladder is probably going to get you more global exposure than winning the Indy Lights series. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the Indy Lights, they've, uh, you know, they've, that's been an on and off series for, for years. That, that's gone through a couple of different ownership chains. It used to be the Robert Bosch Super V, and then yeah, they, yeah. They, then they they renamed it Mini Indy because they really didn't have a feeder series. That the, then it was the American Racing Series, which became Indy Lights, and then and then there was the uh, uh, Infi- Infinity, Infinity Pro, Pro series. series, which also became Indy Lights, and then there was the uh, uh, Toyota Atlantic Series. Yep. The Star no. Mazda below it as well. Yeah, I tell you, mean Star Mazda and and has become what you know Formula Indy Pro. They call it now. I think Indy Pro Two Thousand. Yeah, there's Indy Pro Two. There's Indy because there's Indy Pro Two Thousand. There's USF Two Thousand, and of course Indy Lights. Right, right. Then there's also the US Formula Four series, which is outside of that that chain but it produces good drivers as well you know and now and then they all start with places like lucas oil racing school and um skip, skip barber, barber skip barber yeah. and uh, scca um and which all leads back to karting shifter carts you know so but yeah indy lights has just not found its footing in the world and and the when mazda mazda left as the primary sponsor road to indy it kind of hurt that series because because all they've got left is uh you know Anderson Promotions promoting it. They've got Cooper Tires as a presenting sponsor, which is they're not paying nearly what Mazda was paying. I mean, so, yeah, uh, I mean, look no further to one of the former Star Mazda scholars and Michael McDowell. It to kind of pinpoint to kind of pinpoint back to that story where that I when I asked Michael how that thing helped him, it really saved his career because he would have been. Had it not been for Mazda's budget with that scholarship, he would have been a Bon Bonnerus driver coach. There would have been no Michael McDowell race car driver on the professional levels. There would have just been Michael McDowell school driver for those who are up and coming to have the budget. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so again, the well, while IndyCar does have a good ladder series, that ladder series needs a little help. And I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, Penske has committed to trying to see what he can do to help, but but at, at the same time, it's not under the same ownership as IndyCar. It's owned by Anderson Promotions. Mm-hmm. Right? So the fact that it, that it's it's not under the you know it's like, like NASCAR, they you know trucks and Xfinity are under the same umbrella. They're, they're under the same ownership, so they can really have some consistency there. The fact that you know IndyCar is owned by you know Penske Entertainment and Anderson Promotion Zones Indy Lights, so you're never going to have a true, you know, true consistency through there. But at the same time, you know, to your point, guys coming out of Formula Two, when there's no 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, path to Formula One or the path to Formula One is full. IndyCar is a great opportunity for these guys. And it reminds me of, you know, back in the in the in the 90s when you got guys coming out of what they used to call the uh, 5000 series, which mm-hmm. morphed into Formula Two. You, you got great guys like uh, uh, Bruno Zaquera, Alex Zanardi, Juan Montoya. Bourdais came from 3000 as well. So, yep. Yep. Bourdais. All those guys came into IndyCar from, from that route. So it's, it's kind of like everything old is new again. It's a, essentially, it's just a matter of who wins that F2 championship or how, where they stack up. The thing is that you is more than likely you're either going to be in formula E maybe IndyCar on a part-time basis or go to WEC. Go to WAC, yeah, go to go to IMSA. Yeah. So yeah. but anyway, so we probably need to stop talking about Formula Two and talk, <laughs> about, Formula Four, and talk about Formula One before we um you know utilize our whole spot of time. But there was a Formula One race in Italy. Um, yeah, and uh the driver that won was part Italian, Austra- yeah. Australian Italian. Um, and he's a fan favorite, Daniel Ricardo. Uh, won the race with his teammate uh, right behind him. One, two for McLaren. The first McLaren wins since 2012 and the first McLaren one, two since roughly around the same era. Um, and there was a number of situations that led to that. Uh, I, I mean, but, but at the end of the day, McLaren was spot on in qualifying. Mm-hmm. They were spot on in the sprint race and they were, this is not a victory that fell into their lap. No, no. This is a victory that they earned, and and and, and yeah. we've talked about McLaren for the last oh year and a half on the show as being improving, improving, and steadily improving. And here they are, race winners, mm-hmm. and and uh, taking the top two steps to the podium. So, Richard, let's talk yeah. about uh, let's talk about Monza. Well, Monza was the uh, re- return of the sprint race qualifying, second iteration of that after Silverstone, and uh, so we had pra- Friday practice session, Friday qualifying session where. Valtteri Bottas took pole ahead of Lewis Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen. The um, Valtteri was very impressive in qualifying. You could argue that's because he had a, a new engine, which resulted in a, basically he was going to be starting from the back of the field, uh, no matter where he finished the sprint race on Saturday. And, and going into the sprint race on Saturday morning, um, Hamilton had a bad start. Valtteri and Max had good starts, and it, it all sort of shuffled out. Uh, with Valtteri winning, Max came second, I think, and uh, Danny Ricciardo was, was was third. So going into the race itself on Sunday, um, 
you had Max on pole with uh, Daniel second, and I think uh, Lando was was uh, third, and and uh, Hamilton lined up fourth. And it was a little bit of a clumsy start by you know well, not clumsy. Uh, yeah, Hamilton, uh, sorry, uh, Ricciardo got away well, took the lead on the first corner, and. Monza, everybody thinks Monza would be this great circuit for everything. It's not really. It's quite difficult to overtake that. And because you run so much low wing anyway, the, the DRS opens, but it, in terms of how much is opened as a, as a ratio sort of concept, it's pretty slim advantage compared to most tracks. So really being in the direct DRS zone doesn't guarantee an overtake like it does at some tracks. So you, you had the situation where Ricciardo and Verstappen were sort of pulling away and Lando was in there and Lewis was sort of stuck behind him a little bit, had a couple of chances to get past. And I think at one point he did actually get uh, get past uh, just before the pit, round of pit stops. Uh, and going into the first stop there, Max had a very slow stop. Um, I don't know what the underlying cause was, but a sort of two and a half second stop turned into a, about six or seven second stop. So he came back down the order, which again relieved the pressure on uh, Danny Ricardo and allowed Lando Norris to sort of jump ahead there. Um, you know, as it all sort of bore out. And then Hamilton had his stop and he came out. He had again about a four second stop, so a little bit slow. And as he emerged from the pits, he was just ahead of, of Verstappen on, on the cold tyres going into turn one. You know, Verstappen at a far faster rate of closing um, into the corner than, than Hamilton was. And and Max got alongside, arguably, going into the into the first right-hand corner. And as you went into the second left-hand corner to sort of cut back on the second part of the chicane there, Hamilton sort of squeezed Max onto the, onto the sort of sausage curves at the corner of the, uh, um, you know, the apex of turn two. And Verstappen could have backed out he could have taken the you know gone to the jink left early missed the corner which would have meant he had to yield the position to Hamilton even if he got ahead but Max sort of you know tried to hang it out there and tried to claim the apex into turn two and the more Hamilton sort of squeezed him the more Verstappen you know avoided contact um and hit the uh Hit these sausage curbs on the uh, on the apex of, of turn um, turn two, and that sort of launched him, you know, back onto the track into Hamilton's path. The rear wheels touched, and sort of launched Verstappen over Hamilton's rollover hoop, um, landed on that, and, and thankfully his rear tire, rear right tire, landed on Verstappen. Oh, sorry, on Hamilton's halo, uh, which which prevented. Um, Certainly, some you know nasty and in, nasty injuries. I think to Hamilton potentially. Um, you know, people are clearly Hamilton's always oh, saved my life. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but it certainly prevented some potentially so nasty injury there. Well, I, um, I, I would say it's if you look at some of the, the photos there with with the tire on top of his head and his head is pressed down in the thing without that halo there. That's it. Potentially could have been a lot more. Yeah, serious, I was just saying sure. that, that that car is, you know, that that tire could is right, a, right on his head. Could have had another Brundle at Interlagos when 
what was it, Verstappen? When Irvine took out Verstappen and everyone, Verstappen was stumbling, whacked Brundle's helmet while tumbling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, we don't know, but it certainly certainly didn't hurt Hamilton having that halo there. It certainly was better. No, it, 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 yeah. Um, and then there was this whole, oh, Verstappen got out and didn't check that Hamilton was okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hamilton was celebrating at Silverstone when Verstappen was in hospital and all this sort of stuff. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was all yeah, blown yeah. out. Yeah, well, what comes around goes around, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, that, the whole of that was blown out. Yeah, I didn't all check. You didn't check on yeah. me in the hospital, so I'm not going to check on you in your cockpit. Yep, there we go. And I mean, at the end all, of the he day, had a, I think, he in a moment where Verstappen was just angry at the fact that Hamilton is just. Yeah, and, 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 and these guys have enough peripheral awareness to know. I'm almost certain that. Verstappen knew Hamilton was okay. As I say, they have a lot of peripheral awareness, these guys. They know what's going on around them. And I'm pretty, I mean, the fact that Hamilton was spinning his rear tires in reverse trying to get out of there was a pretty good sign that he was okay. Um, but, you know, so as, as a result of all that, you know, that, that basically led to a processional victory for the two uh, McLarens, you know. Uh, Lando cheekily asked the question if you could challenge uh, Ricciardo for the win and was said, yeah, probably not a good idea. And, you know, they, they understand that. And I don't think anybody, you know, and uh, those two guys are team players. They know what it's all about. No, um, not exactly. We got we got this win in the bag. Let's not do anything to jeopardize it at this point because we haven't won yeah. in a while. We haven't won yeah. in a while. They yeah. basically On pulled the- a- uh, Spa 98 with Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, on the road, Checo finished third, but he had a five-second penalty for an incident early in the race where he passed, um, I think it was one of the Ferraris. Um, he passed him and then took, you know, a good three-quarters of the lap to give this place back when he knew he should have given it back straight away because he did cut the corner, did make take an advantage. And, of course, the team were like, oh, well, we know we wanted to clarify the situation with the FAA. Well, that's crap. You know, they know the rules. They know that they gained an advantage and they should have just given it back there and then and just moved on. But they didn't because they thought they would, you know, whatever. That was a bit stupid by Red Bull to try to, try to sort of play that card, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, it, it all, you know, sort of was pretty plain sailing for McLaren bar, bar the pit stops. Ricciardo led from start to finish and um, yeah, you know, all very, uh, all, all very, uh, very sort of nonchalant, you know, Hamilton said, you know, I saw a quick Hamilton said, you know, Ricciardo winning makes the sport boring, you know, or dominating or whatever it was, you know, but it was, it was, you know, it was a great race. Uh, I'm got- sorry. Whoa, whoa. You, Hamilton said Ricardo dominated. It was a- sport boring. It was a it was a tongue in cheek comment. Okay, think, where that, people that makes, were, yeah, where that, people were dom- you know people criticized Lewis for like dominating. Yeah, for, for every lap. I get it. Okay, all you right, know. gotcha. But uh, you know, on, on the flip side, you know, looking back at the incident, there obviously was the main talking point between Max and Lewis. Um, Verstappen has a three place penalty coming up for Sochi in a couple of weeks, which mm, I I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I think. It was a racing incident far more than Silverstone was. Um, could yeah, I, could Verstappen, I think both drivers are equally culpable. Both could have avoided it. Hamilton could have given Verstappen more room. Verstappen could have bailed out earlier. I, I, I struggle to see. It's, it's, you know, to my mind, it's a racing incident. 
What it did show was, as I say, lack of awareness and lack of discipline on both drivers' parts. But then again, you're in a position here where you, we are, and we've talked about this on the show before, this is the Prost-Senna style battles of the late 80s. We haven't seen this, to my money, I know we've had Schumacher and Hill and Schumacher and Hakkinen and, and all these sort of things, but, you know, and Hamilton and Rosberg, to a certain extent. To my money, I don't think you've seen a battle as intense as this for, for 25 years in Formula 1. It's and been, we are... It's been a minute, yep. If not longer, for 35 years almost. And we are incredibly lucky to be able to watch this and talk, sit here and talk about it. Exactly. Um, but but to your point about the penalty, so the, the three-spot grid penalty is for the contact, is what you're telling me, right? Yes, unavoidable contact. I think. Okay. Does that add you see, I think, I think that's nonsense because the penalty was built in right there. Neither, guy, sure. not, neither guy finished the race. There's your penalty, right? So yeah, uh, I'm, not a fan, I'm not a fan of penalizing the guy for the next race for something that happened in this race. Does it but if, if, but if somebody did Super license for Stappen? Uh, potentially, yeah, but I, I think Verstappen's pretty clean on that. I haven't checked. He has the zero. Lately. I think he's one of three that had zero. The other, yeah, I think, so being Ocon and Mick. Yeah, I mean, that's that's nothing really in the grand scheme of things. I don't think that he's going to get close to um, no. I don't think he's going to points. Uh, no, to he'll be fine for a good while. Yeah, but um, I I just think that um, you know you. You can't always say, Frank, that just because two drivers get taken out, there's no penalty there. I think, you know, there are instances where something is clearly a driver's fault and, and both need, you know, and one needs penalising. But I don't think this was clear-cut enough personally to, um, you know, call it either way. But these guys, what, what we're seeing is two guys at the top of their game who are not going to give an inch. And the problem is, as soon as one guy backs down and gives that inch, the other guy's got the mental advantage. So, in reality, to a certain extent, you know, both Verstappen and Hamilton would be happy with the outcome of that race. Yeah, neither of them wanted to crash out, and they'll pro- probably both point fingers at each other, but they'll also be turning around and saying, well, I'm not backing down. I'm not giving in. And, and, and this is what's going to happen. You know, you 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 revisit this scenario and this situation at every race between now and the end of the season, and exactly the same thing will happen. Because the first guy that gives an inch and concedes points to his title rival, it's you know these guys they are they are say on the limit. They are at their maximum ability, and and we're talking like single digit percentage levels of of performance here. And if one shows weakness to the other, it's going to be a huge boost and a huge confidence blow to the, you know, the other driver. So I, 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 I think we're going to, I personally, I think we'll see this again this year. I think we'll see a scenario again this year where Hamilton and Verstappen come together and, and both retire from a race. Because oh, I agree. I don't, I don't think we're done with this yet. No, they are. And, both and I, I, don't, I don't think we're done with this season. I think this, this goes into no. next season as well. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing to consider. What happens if Hamilton gets beaten? Where is he mentally? Because he's only ever been beaten once, and that was by Rosberg. That was his teammate. 
you know, and that took a toll on him personally. We know it. And, and then Rosberg went and retired, said, ha, and Rosberg hey, gave yeah, him you, the middle finger. Yeah, he said, you can't away. even, I won't even you give can't you beat chance. me again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So now that, Ma- I mean, Max, isn't, to, Max isn't going to do that. No. Max is going to stay. Yeah, so. Talking to, to sort of people that, you know, I know within the series and within the team at Mercedes, I, you know, sort of mentioned it in passing to them, you know, what was Lewis like after Rosberg retired? He was just devastated because from the second he got out of that car in Abu Dhabi, having lost the championship, Hamilton was like, right, I'm going to beat him, I'm going to beat him, I'm going to beat him. For the two or three days before Rosberg announced his retirement, that's all Hamilton was thinking. And then what did he have? He had nobody to beat. You know, and the same with Max. If he loses to Max... You know, where does that leave Hamilton going into next year? Because he knows he's on the back foot. And to a certain extent, and, you know, I mean, Hamilton's, what, 36 now, 37? He's not, you know, he's not going to find another gear. Hamilton can't go any higher than he is right now, I don't think. And he's openly said that. You know, Hamilton has openly said Max has enabled him or forced him to go to another level. You know, go, go, go to in drive a car in ways that he never thought was possible. So if, if that changes, you know, if Max beats him, then Hamilton's where's his next tenth of a second, two tenths of a second he's going to need. I think it's going to really leave him in a difficult position. It'll certainly make things interesting for the championship the next couple of years, yeah. depending how much longer Hamilton wants to keep doing this. Well, that's and then on top of, of that, you got to consider George in the mix. Who knows how he'll fare in his first year? Yeah, I mean, and that's the other, that's the other, you know, point. If, you know, George coming in, if, if if Hamilton's wounded going into next year by Max beating him, and and you know he, the George comes in and he pushes him. You know, Hamilton could be in a, you know, a really difficult position, and um, it's going to be fascinating to watch. It really is. This is, you know, this, as I say, this the next seven or eight races or how many we've got left could be like the. The, the, the defining period of Hamilton's career. This could be the moment where, you know, Hamilton eclipses Schumacher's championship total, you know, gets that 100 race wins, you know, really, you know, sets the bar above everybody else. Or it could be the point where he seeds that crown as, as a, a generational driver to, 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 to Max. And if, if Hamilton doesn't win this, the championship this year, Unless something, you know, freakish happens with the regulations next year, Mercedes are, have the far faster car, which is possible. I can't see him beating Max again. I don't think Lewis has any more left in him to raise his game. And I think Max made it. Wow, that's bold. I, 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 I firmly believe it. I think this oh, is, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, yeah. that's uh... This is, we are looking, the next... Basically, the next two months could define, you know, um, you know Hamilton's legacy. I truly believe it. I truly and, and Verstappen has it. Verstappen has the capability of to basically, you know, make or break Lewis Hamilton in many ways. Oh, exactly. And, and you know, Max is young and he's hungry, and Lewis is very comfortable. Very comfortable where yeah. he's at. You know what I mean? He's you know. Comes, you know, comes, comes in, clocks in. Hey, fellas, how we doing? You know, and, I, I, and you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, oh I, I, I think that this, uh, he, like you say, he really hasn't been challenged to this extent. In, no. To this extent, I mean, Rosberg. Yeah, he lost to Rosberg, but 
this is he's really being challenged by a driver on another team who's younger than him and uh, you know I, I don't want to say Max is better than him but but you, you know that 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 thought is bouncing around in the back of Lewis's head the same, the same way when you know Senna came over to McLaren and joined Prost yeah uh, Prost who had had uh, two championships under his belt at the time and and so here's a guy who's younger than me hungrier than me you know, fighting me and my game and doing well with it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to watch right now. And, and, and Lewis to, you know, to your point, he's got plenty of money in the bank, right? He's got plenty of accomplishments. He can walk away from the sport tomorrow and have, and still, you know, be the lead, leading guy in most of the stats forever. And uh, yeah. So, and Max has nothing to lose. No, no. I, 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 as I say, I think this is, I think this is make or break right now, and um, I, I, I truly, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fascinating, you know, coming into the next few races. Um, yeah, I, I think we, we are, we will be talking about this in twenty years' time, hopefully. You know, certainly, season, yeah. I, I really do think this is going to be one of the. This is going to be like eighty-eight. Yeah, you know, yeah. one of the legendary seasons in Formula One. Yeah, so we're off to Russia next. Yeah, a couple of weeks time. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so after so. all the funs and joys, we go to. It seems like every time we talk about wow, man, is fun, and then Russia comes along. It's like, well, uh, we'll yeah. see what happens. All right, so let's. You know, last year, last year right. was last year was actually one, probably the best. Yeah, wasn't too bad. Yeah. Had, yeah, yeah. So, so in but... fairness, go ahead. No, I say so. In fairness, do you, do you, Richard has a point. <laughs> Let's think about it this way, right? So the uh, British Grand Prix, the British driver won, right? The Dutch Grand Prix, the Dutch driver won. Italian Grand Prix, eh, the Australian driver with Italian heritage won. So is this Mazepa's day <laughs> when we get a Sochi? <laughs> Or is, that, or is that a stretch? Is that a stretch? That's as much of a bigger stretch that the time that Gasly was qualifying one spot better that ended. Ah, I know. I the I, sprint race. I kid. I kid. So, uh, but uh, so we've got a week off before we get a Sochi. Yeah. But I, it, it occurred to me that that we don't have a week off before the next IndyCar race, and we neglected to make IndyCar picks uh, for Laguna Sega. So let's go ahead and uh, get our IndyCar picks in. And then we'll we'll have a few minutes left to talk about uh, a NASCAR race that was held this past weekend. So, Richard, who do you like for Laguna Seca? Laguna, poor uh, New Garden. Okay, Luis. Yeah. I'm going. I think Rossi will get it done. I think the momentum is on a high note right now. Okay, very good, very good. I think that uh, Palo goes back to back. And, and nails this championship down. To where he shows up in Long Beach, starts the motor, and that's it. Eh, I don't know about that. He's still going to have to run at Long Beach. Yeah. Why would you miss Long Beach? It's such a fantastic event. So, uh, But, yeah, so we've got about oh, seven, eight minutes left. Uh, NASCAR, um, second race of the chase. Martin Truex Jr. comes home the winner. So he, he stamps his card for the chase. Uh, so do you get a chance to watch the race? Very little. Only caught the very, uh, the very 
end of it because of the Arca West race that lasted too long and took longer to decide who actually won and so on and so forth. But Kurt Busch had problems where the wheel completely came off, smashed the wall. Baba Wallace ran over the carcass of Kurt's flat tire so on. I'm surprised there was no fines for it because if there's one loose lug nut that kind of lets the whole wheel go or tire or whatever, that's a, that's a, that's a suspension for a crew member. But Ross Chastain, a note, well, first, before I talk about Ross Chastain, Joe Gibbs racing one, two, three, Hamlin with another great run. Christopher Bell had a much needed run to keep his chances into, into the postseason, go beyond the first round. And yeah, Ross Chastain had a really good showing towards the, from what I saw. And Kyle Larson, well, one of my bold predictions is officially dead because Kyle Larson moves on to the next round where yeah, I said yeah, at the very he's, beginning. He's pushed he through, he pushed out through of on points. Round. Yep. So, yeah, we need to look, look at those guys at the bottom of the cut line. And I think it's, uh, uh, I mean, I think McDowell's toast. Michael McDowell, you have yep. Alex Bowman. On, on a, but on a, Bowman is fighting for his life and he could. William Byron is also out in the bottom. So yep, half yep. of the Hendrick drivers had to step it up no matter what. And I say you have, because Kurt Busch is in via a tiebreaker because he had the highest finishing race of at Darlington because, of course, Bowman had that tire problem in a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. we'll so see what happens at Bristol. So we're off to Bristol, which is, you know, a cutoff, race. A cutoff race. And, uh, you know, Bristol, Bristol has lost the luster it used to have years ago, but uh, it's still a neat little track. I still like it. Um, so uh, who do you like? Claim, some people claim that as, as one of the, as the fourth crown jewel race when I did that infamous tweet about. Yeah, yeah. The- yeah, the Bristol, the Bristol night race. Yeah, is uh, used to be, it used to be one of the hardest tickets to get in NASCAR years ago. But I mean, since they reprofile the track and whatnot it doesn't i mean it's lost a little something over the years but it's still you know one of one of the oldest and, and most unique tracks out there but uh let's go ahead and pick a winner for bristol because i want to take a few minutes to talk about the um nascar uh schedule for next year so uh louise who you like for um bristol i have kurt bush and for this one i think kurt will keep the Ganassi momentum going. I know he, he's hit a couple hiccups along the way, especially last Saturday, but I think Kurt gets it done. And I'll mention something about Saturday real quick after this regarding 2022. Okay. Um, now, Richard, uh, you got a pick for Bristol? Logano. Logano. I was kind of thinking Logano myself, but I'm going to, since you picked Logano, I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Busch. Um, who's always good for winning Bristol. He brings a broom with him to that place sometimes. So, but with that being said, we've got just a few minutes left in the show. And so NASCAR released their schedule for next year and the clash, which has traditionally been held at Daytona, which is the race for, uh, the pole sitter from the previous year. And as long as, as well sometimes. as sometimes <laughs> sometimes or the former because champions, I was going to say, I, I was the like, playoff drivers are all essentially in. So minimum, yeah, speed, I, we have 16 I was drivers. Say, we, we, we've had a lot of no qualifying lately. So I'm not even sure how they decide who's in the clash this day and age, but it used to be every, anyone that won a pole the year before was in the clash, but uh, however they're doing it, they're moving it from Florida to California. 
they're taking it from Disney World or Disneyland, if if you like that reference. Uh, and they're gonna race on a quarter mile track in the Los Angeles Coliseum, which is the Coliseum that was built for the 1980 Olympics. It was also home to the LA Raiders and the LA Rams uh, on and off over the decades. But they're gonna so, put a, they're gonna put a little pavement track in there. Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. It's just a li- from a, a itinerary concern. It's going to be concerning, but yeah, the home of the USC Trojans, which they look like they're going to be tanking this season because they just fired their damn head coach. <laughs> and we're not talking about football though. But anyways, it's an interesting and bold move. I know fans have been clamoring and wanting short tracks. They're short tracks that a lot of people are complaining. My gripe is more or less kind of. Initially, was you go from LA in two weeks' time, you're going to go to Daytona, and then the following week, the week after, you go back to California for Fontana, which is official. The Fontana race will be the second round of the year. This is a lot of movement going on, but fortunately, between L, the Clash and the 500, it's the Super Bowl week, so they have the Super Bowl week off to make the move. It'll be, I think, it's going to be fun. In some ways, there's gonna there's, you can describe fun in many ways. I think it's gonna be intriguing. Will it be a success? Time will ultimately tell. Hey, it got, it, to me, off the top of my head, it seems gimmicky. Honest to God, it does. And that no, and I don't disagree with that at yeah, all. Because, because I because we've traditionally had you know speed weeks at Daytona that that starts with Bike Week and you know yeah we had cul- culminates with the 500. So now we're gonna fly out to Los Angeles to, you know, to run a little tiny track with half the field there, you know, no live pit stops. Debut of the next gen car too. And and who wants to wreck their next gen car on that little track? You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. We'll we'll see see how it plays out. As long as they do driver interest in that walk path down where they have the, the 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 entryway where they have the Olympic logo and all of that. If they do driver intros there, it would be all worth it. If they because that's probably the best. If you want to go all gimmicky, you do driver intros in that fashion. Have the walk down the long stairs <laughs> at the stadium. Oh, I could certainly see them doing that. It's just like something straight out of like an Eddie Gossage playbook, you know, or Humpty Wheeler playbook. Let's go ahead and just make it as gimmicky as we can. But um, other than the clash moving to L.A., no real surprises on the schedule, correct? Gateway is making its cup debut. Yes, Gateway. Yeah, but we, we Pocono. Kinda... Yeah, Pocono is dropped to one race. Richmond is both day races. There's only three Saturday races all season and one off week period. That being after Sonoma. Yeah, only one off week three Saturday races, which is going to feel extremely weird for me because I honestly don't mind my Saturday races. It's like, okay, I can relax Sunday unless there's an IndyCar race, which <laughs> they will see how many of them we're going to have on Sunday. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with that being said, so we are at a time. Oh, oh one, so, final, one final thing. Homestead one, one is back thing, in the playoffs. Yes. Huh? Homestead is back in the playoff calendar. As the start of the round of eight, rather okay. than the title deciding race, Phoenix is the finale again. But other than that, it's about a couple, the 
aforementioned changes I mentioned. That's about it, to my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I was looking for, like, uh, you know, Kentucky to be back on there or, or something cool, but, uh, yeah, so. Oh, well. Gateway has done a nice job with uh, the IndyCar race the last couple of years, and I really, kind of my fear is if they put that uh, that track compound down on Gateway, they better not. It'll wreck the track for IndyCar like they did with Texas. So I really hope they kind of keep in consideration that uh, NASCAR is not the only people that utilize that racetrack. So, but anyway, we are at the end of our hour. So uh, Richard, I want to thank you. Louise, I want to thank you. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. But most of all, I want to thank you folks who listen to us every week. But until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 